Hi, I'm Tina Desiree Berg, and welcome to The 34. Um, so what's up, guys? I got shot in the head. Um, my brain's bleeding. Um, should be okay. If I don't respond, it's because I'm just really tired. But I should be all right. So, yeah. Thanks. Hi, I'm Tina Desiree Bird, and I came out to visit with Iz today because you saw Iz get shot in the head by a rubber bullet during the mayhem at the Saturday protest down in Beverly. And I wanted to check in with him. He's been in the hospital the last couple of days. He was in ICU with a brain bleed, which is very serious. Uh, so tell me a little bit about how that how it went down in the moment? Um, in that moment, so I had placed myself in between the police line and the protest line. They're about 100 feet away. It was kind of like a no man's land. Uh, there weren't that many people around. Uh, I was standing there by myself for, uh, I want to say, maybe 20 to 30 minutes. The first time I was shot, I got shot in the hips and the stomach at the same time. So it was a coordinated shot from at least two officers. Uh, yeah. And the gentleman next to me also got shot. I, we both fell on the ground. We got back up. We put our hands up in the air right after that. Maybe about five, ten minutes later, um, I got shot in the ribs. Uh, the gentleman next to me got shot uh, pretty high up in the chest as well. We moved to the side and hid behind. Um, it was like a bus stop sign. Yeah, and I then, saw that. And bus then um, from there, we had. Uh, he was like, "I don't know if we should go back out there," and I was like, "I think it's important." So I went back out into the middle with my hands back up, and from there, that's when I had uh, been shot in the head. Yeah, so, you know, I, I, I just remember all that chaos breaking out. And had you been there earlier in the day when it was just like these protests? So you saw it go from like 0 to 13. I don't think this would have escalated at all. It seemed to me that protesters were already starting to disperse and go home. Some people were hanging out in the park area talking. And just. The sheriff's department just started upping the ante. They started, I don't know if they started those little pellet guns first or the rubber bullets, but they started yeah, so spraying with those, and then they started from some tear gas canisters, mm-hmm. and then came the rubber bullets. Mm-hmm. What do you think instigated that? So, uh, we had originally started, I think it's at Pacific Park at like 1245, yeah. and we were marching around, and everyone was marching uh, pretty peacefully, and we would stop at the intersections and sit down, and uh, a lot of the black leaders would form a line in the middle, and they would uh, put their fists up in the air and stuff like that, and everyone was chanting, you know, say their names, and for the appropriate names that, uh, for the uh, black people that have been murdered, uh, right. And um, everyone was very calm. Everything was pretty controlled. And until there was at one point, uh, police and riot gear had showed up. Yeah, and, the sheriffs. And uh, yeah, and there was a point where we we're near a gas station, and they were firing those rubber bullets in, into the gas station at the pumps. And, oh, okay. And, and uh, at that point, I was telling people, I was like, "We need to get away from here, like in case you spark." Like, and and after that point. Things kind of just went just into chaos. Yeah. Okay, so I didn't know that it started down at the gas station because mm-hmm. we had been further up at the Grove area, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it was just like, "What? Why is this escalating? Why mm-hmm. is this necessary?" And um, so let me ask you this: the tear gas that they use is quite dangerous, and I don't think most folks that are Americans understand what this stuff is made out of. You actually have a military background; you're a Marine, correct? Yes. So. You know, they were throwing this so-called triple chaser and another one that you explained to me. Um, can we talk a little bit about what these 
chemical agents are because I think they're very deadly. They throw them into the crowd. Not only can a canister harm somebody but hits them in the head, but the tear gas itself is, it makes it very hard to breathe. It gets into your lungs. It's not just the eye irritant. It's you you literally lose your ability to breathe. How is this legal? Uh, well, I, I don't really know how it's illegal, be, or how it's legal, because I know in war you can't. There's no chemical warfare is not allowed. It's, right. it's a violation of the Geneva Convention. Uh, this stuff was was it felt the same as uh, when I was in an enclosed area with this stuff for an extended period of time. Like it felt the exact same, and I was outside. They were using so much of it that to yeah. the point where the whole air was filled with it, yeah. no matter where you went. There was really no way to fully escape it you just kind of had to deal with the irritants for some time it's 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 completely accessible kill one person what happens is one person fucking throws a rock or a bottle but then they throw they split but there was another that I wasn't aware of, that it is worse. Yeah, yeah. in the military, they use a stuff called OC spray. I don't know exactly what's in it. Um, and the way that it's been described to me as uh, it's it's just like a very, uh, like, hyped up, uh, like, mace, essentially. A lot of the mil- all the military police have to get sprayed with it in order to complete their MOS training and stuff like that. You know, these are one of those things that until you've actually experienced it, you sort of know peripherally that... I've been around tear gas a few times in a protest, mm. but nothing as bad as this. Yeah, they, you're you're right. It was so much. It was everywhere. You couldn't escape it. There was different ones too. There was yeah. the white ones, the and, the, ones. and then when I was pulling this woman away after they maced her, they started throwing the yellow ones at my feet. And when I saw the yellow ones, I was like, I don't know what that is. So started pulling her away even more. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they were chemically different, but I don't know. Either. Yeah, they but were. they had these yellow ones that started coming out. So they were mm. yeah, they were escalating their use of this stuff. And then also there was on the synagogue roof, mm-hmm. there was a couple of folks. Were they shooting rubber bullets? I could never quite figure out what they were using because those guns looked a little bit different than the grenade launchers that they were using in the front. Yeah, so there was there was one gentleman up there that had a uh, – he definitely had something that was shooting rubber bullets. But there was another gentleman up there that had a, a loaded uh, – I, I believe the police use M4s. I, the Marine Corps uses M16s. The Army uses uh, M4s. But there was a police officer up there with them loaded. Uh, I'm assuming it was an M4. Uh, with a loaded magazine in it, uh, it was not a rubber. It was not a rubber bullet. And I was telling him, I was like, he's pointing at the crowd, and 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 the way that they teach you in the military is you're not supposed to point at anything you don't intend to shoot. So I was like, clearly, uh, this individual is is preparing to shoot at people, and he was pointing it way back into the crowd when those people were just standing and chanting, and it was. Why do you have a real rifle? Why do you have a real rifle? Look at this motherfucker! Look at this motherfucker! Look at this motherfucker up here! Look at this motherfucker! Stop! Stop aiming at people, you stupid fuck! You're not supposed to aim at shit you don't intend to shoot! So you clearly intend to fucking shoot us! You stupid fuck! Enra- it was enraging me. It was infuriating me. I was like, "These are these are American people. Like, what? How could you point a loaded rifle at people who are doing right. absolutely nothing?" Okay, so I'm a little bit shocked right now because mm-hmm. when I was when I was doing my report that day, I actually did assume it was rubber bullets that he had in that gun. But I kept thinking to myself, "That looks like a military grade." Yeah, it was the there was there was someone up there that had uh, 
there was originally two up there. Yeah. And then they put um, a third officer yeah. up there. The third one I, that I saw later on, I believe it may have been in one of the videos you had, he was shooting rubber bullets off the roof. There was another one that had uh, one of the, it looks like basically one of those grenade launchers that shoots those 40 millimeter rounds. That's the ones that hit me in the head. And the third one was the one that was essentially um, uh, basically a sniper for them that was using a, 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 a weapon with live ammunition. I, I don't know why they're there. And there was another one that I saw on the truck uh, that had those like metal gates and or yeah. those metal fences. Yeah. There was another one on one of the trucks that also had a, um, a uh, an M4 build we looking weapon that had live ammunition as well. So that did have live ammunition mm. in it. Wow, that, I, I can't even process this. Why would they put, that is, I, I can't even find the words right now. And in fact, I spoke with a National Guardsman uh, on Thursday mm -hmm. and he said to me, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. And he said, I signed up to defend the country against foreign enemies, not to, not to shoot at my fellow citizens. Yeah. So in, in your mind, why why was this happening in the first place? What was the rationale, the motivation for the law enforcement to even take this sort of stance to begin with? Um, I think it just kind of goes back to how the, the police force kind of originates as a, like an oppressive system. They, they, they're militarized at this point. In, in my belief that the, the U.S., so many citizens have so much access to firearms because of the Second Amendment that now because of that, they have the excuse to, to be scared all the time. So that's why they're so militarized at this point. Cause they think, you know, maybe every single citizen or something has some sort of weapon in California, the, the weapon uh, control is so strict that there's, there's no, there is obviously some way that people do illegal things, but there's no way that they, our firepower at that point could have out. No, no. someone would have done something at that point. But that's right. It, that's right. So now, were you there at the front when I, I believe it was an undercover car cop car came? I don't know why he decided to drive through the protest. That was just not smart. But he drove through, and then his window was smashed with a water bottle. I don't um, know if you were. I think yeah. I think I saw. I think I was helping um, a woman that had gotten maced. Uh, I think there was like a couple, right? Or maybe there yeah. was one. I think there were two cars, but only yeah, one of them got smashed. Yeah. I don't know. See, to me, that seemed like an instigation. Yeah. Itself. This thing was already full blown. Mm -hmm. Why would you drive through the middle of it like that? It, I mean, they could say that would have to get more, like a higher number on the scene. But like the people that were in that car, like they they weren't protected as as well as everyone else. Like yeah. they weren't wearing protective gear, which everyone else was. So they could say, you know, maybe they were more likely to be hurt or something. But I think it was to to kind of bring out the protesters that are more willing to escalate the violence a little bit so they have more reason to escalate because if they're yeah. if they're really worried about the safety of their officers they wouldn't bring them through a crowd I agree. Of that's, who are upset. that's completely how it felt to me at mm -hmm. least i felt the same way about this is just not smart uh, when when you were hit by a bullet i have some video of you doubled over mm -hmm. i um, how were you able to get assistance through 911 because we had also tried to call out 911 earlier in the day a gal had been hit in the face which was strange to me because my understanding of these police jammers is that they only go after target certain bandwidths mm. and that they're not supposed to block any of the EMS for the obvious reasons yeah. yet here we were um, what was your experience um so after I had after I had gotten hit, everyone after I had been dragged out of the street, everyone around me was kind of 
panicking and didn't really know what to do. So I had to personally like calm down because I'm on, uh, I was on medication for, uh, that thins my blood because I have a blood clot in my knee. So that's why I started uh, pooling blood pretty bad out of my head. And so I had to calm down and uh, the, the experience that I have to the Marine Corps and like combat triage and stuff like that, I had to tell people how to stop the bleeding, how to wrap it up. And then people were saying like, uh, should we call an ambulance? And I was like, yes, we should call an ambulance. And no one, as far as I was able to, able to tell, no one could get through. So they started, uh, I told them, I was like, we need to walk a couple blocks away. Yeah, so yeah, uh, a, lot of the, yeah, a lot of the protesters went back. This one gentleman, uh, this young black man, put my arm around him, he put his arm around me. these protesters uh in their car drove by and they're like do you need to go to the hospital and i was like i need to go to the hospital right now so they put me in the car and that's when i had called my dad and i was like uh, i just got shot by the police i'm going to this hospital and um yeah so if it weren't for those people in the car i don't know how i would have gone to the hospital so these protesters drove you to mm -hmm. cedar sinai yes thank god they were there yeah, yeah. I, I don't know any of their names like I, I they told me their names but i can't i cannot remember yeah. no i hear you so you know when i got hit with tear gas a couple of protesters came to my rescue too that's i guess that's you know the, the narrative that's really making me angry right now and i'm kind of Because 
of the right to bear arms that a lot of these folks are actually bearing arms. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that you bring that up because I'm having a flashback. I interviewed Alex Villanueva, who's the current sheriff, when he was running for office. Mm-hmm. And he ran on a platform of change mm-hmm. where he was going to de-escalate this stuff, be more about community policing. We now have a conversation that that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that he mentioned when I asked him about this sort of thing was, was what you're saying. He said, we're afraid. We've militarized because we're afraid of all the guns that are out there on the street. Mm-hmm. I want gun control. Mm-hmm. So here's the flip side of that argument. I've spoken to a lot of um, a lot of uh, black protesters that feel that they want to have their guns because if mm-hmm. they don't have their guns, what do they what do they get to use to protect themselves from the cops that are murdering them? Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's a very valid position. Mm-hmm. So we're now at a place where both sides want to be armed to mm-hmm. fight each other. I don't know how that de-escalates, mm-hmm. and the only thing I can see is that. If we have to do something about the systemic racism in the yes. country and the income inequality that's mm-hmm. married to that. A lot of these folks, I think, that are looting are looting because they see this as a chance for them to actually have something they could never afford with their minimum paid jobs, whatever else, mm-hmm. right? I'm not condoning what they're doing, but I'm saying I understand it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the civil unrest is being driven by the fact that both parties have fanned the flames of systemic racism and income inequality. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I think those are two of the root causes. I don't, you know, I don't know in this moment what we do to fix that, mm. but I do feel that we are at a turning point in the country because enough people are angry, enough people are seeing the repercussions of that. Mm. Like, you know, you look at the behaviors, you look at the politicians justifying behaviors, and none of them seem to see the problem. Like they yeah. see these ridiculous things, like the guy on the East Coast yesterday that said, "I need to speak because I'm I'm running in a primary right now." Mm. He doesn't even seem to understand why that's bad. Yeah, no, that doesn't make it. Like, there's there's much bigger concerns. Like, it's shocking, right? Like, you can even quote, uh, like, not to get in my preferred political candidate, but w- uh, when um, a lot of the COVID stuff is going on, a lot of reporters are asking Bernie Sanders questions and stuff like He's like, I don't have time for this. He's like, I'm, he's like, I'm, he's like, I'm, he's like, I'm handling a pandemic right now. Like, I don't have time to be campaigning right now, which is realistically, like, if you're going to be representing the American people, you have to show that you care about the American yeah, people. So, I agree. Yeah, so I agree with you. it doesn't so, make any sense to me. No, it doesn't make any sense. But I, So I'm hoping that, that this sort of, I think the good that I'm hoping comes from this is that people are more aware mm-hmm. of what's happening around them politically and that they maybe consider the fact that neither party is serving our interests mm-hmm. and that the platonomy, the 1%, have pretty much bought our politicians and are able to get away with whatever they want to get away with and that the extension of that is that I mean, I want to point out, I had been at the East LA protest earlier in the day, and there was absolutely very little police presence there. Mm-hmm. Yet, you go to Beverly, and there's a lot of police presence there. It seems obvious to me the reason why is because that's where the rich people are, right? Yeah, when when uh, we... So, there was a point where we were marching down Beverly, the road, and uh, for some reason, the, the protest group had split, and uh, some people were marching further into West Hollywood, and, yeah. and some people started marching towards uh, Beverly Hills. Um, Chanting, eat the rich. Yeah, basically, <laughs> basically, yeah. And uh, what had happened was uh, a fire had started uh, towards West Hollywood. So I went over yeah. there because I figured some people might need help. And then um, a smaller group of people went back towards Beverly Hills to kind of link up with them. Uh, we started marching towards the precinct, and that was the most police cars uh, yeah. and officers I had seen all day. But there was only like forty or fifty of us. We were the smallest group, and they had brought in like. 
Crazy. maybe one cop for every single person that was there. And and they and then at that point they had started pulling out handguns on us too because we were in in front of the. Uh, yes, uh, I saw uh, your yeah. video actually yeah. where the guy pull, you see him pull it out, and then somebody says you're pulling a handgun. Yeah, out? I was and like, he had it out for like five minutes, that's and, crazy. and and we were all like, why do you have a gun out on us? Like we're just standing in the road, and and it was because we were in the area that you know there's there's a lot of rich people in yeah, the area, and, but we knew if we were in that area, it would cause the most, uh, like. <laughs> bring the most attention to it. No, yeah, it's a smart was, choice. I yeah, think. there were so many, there was about like, I want to say 20 cop cars and, and like as soon as we started getting near the area in like under 10 minutes or something. And so we started blocking them off and when we blocked them off, the police started coming out of the precinct and they formed a circle around us and I was like, either we're going to get beat up or we're all going to get arrested and I was like, either way, like, this is not it's going not to be good. Yeah, yeah. but and that, at that point, they had, some of them had started pulling handguns out. Well, how did that end up? How did that end up de-escalating? Um, one of the officers, one of the officers that was in charge, was was uh, telling every all of them essentially you, you, to, to 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 like form a line around us and kind of walk into the precinct around us, and they and they kind of moved us forward so they could open a lane, okay. and they started uh, bringing the cars uh, inside of the precinct. They kind of formed like a wall outside the precinct so they could get everyone inside. So and then. Uh, they basically like doubled. It seemed like doubled their reactionary numbers to in case there were more protesters outside. Right. But yeah, so it, it de-escalated. I would say that officer handled at least that situation um, pretty well in yeah. terms of de-escalation. Like you said, he's like, "There's no reason to be macing these people. There's no reason to have these handguns out." Like uh, he, I would say that one gentleman did a, a yeah, pretty yeah. good job of controlling everyone that was there because the officers that were in front. They started to break their line and get aggressive with the protesters, and the, and the gentleman that was in control of them, I, I think it was a, a Hispanic man, was telling them that like they needed to calm down, like because so right. he did a pretty good job of at least doing what he was supposed to do and make sure nothing got out of control. I'd say. Excellent. Mm. So tell them a little bit about the reasons why you decided to attend this protest to begin with. Mm. Oh, so um, can't really go out and uh, protest too much while you're enlisted while you're in the Marine Corps because you can't bring an image or an opinion that they don't want to necessarily represent. So uh, if you were to go to a Black Lives Matter protest and you're like this active duty Marine uh, fights for equality and all of a sudden uh, a, like a riot starts or something, you know, there's police violence, then that brings them a negative image. And um, now that I was away from, from all of that, uh, I just got tired of seeing the... Um, like the, the racial inequality and the injustice and, and, and the fact that black people are being murdered over and over and over again. And, and it was kind of the time where I decided that uh, I can't just do the bare minimum anymore. Like I need to do something that is good for the people, uh, like good for black people so they can, you know, make their voices louder. Uh, the reason I was up in the front and everything is because um, I personally know that like I, if it happens to someone needs gets beat up by the cops, I know I'll be okay in the end. Like right. I can take a, a beating and some people you know need to be in the front so that's yeah. I, I that's, and I wanted to also protect other people like yeah. I said there's tear gas going on I knew how to handle when tear gas goes on I knew how to handle like any uh if anyone has any like blood trauma and stuff like that I knew I could help so that's that's why I went so yeah it, interestingly enough I do have also a video where one of the BLM protesters at one point did say white allies allies please come to the front mm -hmm. so that seemed to be like a smart tactic yeah 
I would, but you know, here's the thing that should have de escalated. Maybe some of this, if, if you're like a racist cop, you think that that would have helped to de escalate, but mm. it didn't seem to. No, I, I thought um, in the beginning too, I, I heard someone say that too. They said, yeah. like, wow, like white people to the front. And I was like, I was like, oh, I was like, this is smart. Like, yeah. And so I, at that point, there was multiple times where the whole front was a lot of white people. I saw that, and someone from the side would throw a water bottle, and they would just shoot everyone in the front. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, and then I also yeah. heard one of the other guys stop saying, "Stop throwing water bottles." I know they're shooting at us, but every time you throw a water bottle, it just makes them shoot harder and more. Yeah. But on the flip side, I understand why people started throwing stuff no, back. Right. They were in a war zone. No. Yeah. Like, literally, uh, there's a guy with, and oh my god, the guy with the gun on the the mm-hmm. synagogue. I'm still not over that. Yeah, I, I understood why. I was like, the protesters that were throwing some things had every right to be angry because they're throwing, you know, like two ounce water bottle. Like they don't weigh anything, and then and then they're getting. They didn't even start throwing things. They were getting shot at first. So yeah. of course, there's some people. They're gonna get mad. It's kind of hard to it's hard control not to. your yeah, last angry. I mean, in that area. Yeah. I mouthed off to the sheriff. Oh yeah, I, there was there was I was the guy on the roof. Uh, one of the reports that they said I was I was cursing at him because I was saying I was like, why are you aiming a loaded rifle at citizens? Like, yeah, do you like do you intend to kill them? Because like that's the only reason that you point a weapon at someone. You know, you here's the thing: you're allowed them. to curse at a cop without him shooting you. Yeah, no, exactly. You can do that. I mean, if they're using that as an excuse to to do with what they did, that's ridiculous. I started cussing them out after multiple interactions. Mm-hmm. I didn't start out cussing them out, mm-hmm. but so where do you think the movement goes from here? I, do you personally, would you go back to another protest or do you, are you a little bit afraid of going back to another of these protests? Do you think it's gonna just happen over again and again or do you think it will be safer, that they'll see the error of their ways? Um, what are your thoughts on that? I know I know the mayor of LA said that, uh, I can't remember exactly the statement today, but said that like police need I have to bring up the quote because, like, my memory is so bad right now. But uh, made a statement on like the police violence against unarmed uh, people, maybe uh, especially protesters today. Uh, so I'm hoping it gets a little bit safer. I personally, um, if there's still, I'm assuming there still will be protests going on in a couple of weeks because the unrest seems to be rising more and more as more footage is being shown to the police. I'll be out there again. Um, I'll be wearing protective way more gear. protective gear. <laughs> yeah, I've already kind of devised how. Uh, I'll be protecting myself, making homemade shields to also, you know, protect other people. Because some people are getting shot and falling on the ground and stuff like that. Like, I'll make sure I have a gas mask so I don't have to right. retreat as far away. Like, all these things are easily accessible to get. So, yeah. um, it's it's made me angry for sure because it's like, it was my right to be there. But um, it, not angry in the sense where I want to escalate violence. Angry in the sense that I want to help uh, amplify voices of the black community even more and just show my support by by being there and protecting other people. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to start to maybe even expand and include other issues. Absolutely. Because I think there's a lot of disenfranchised folks out there. You've got 82% of the new income being created going to the 1% for the last several years. You now have really high unemployment. And I'm sorry, $1,200 isn't going to help anybody in the city of LA. You yeah, can't even make a, one month. That's not rent. rent. Yeah, it's not rent. And so what if they stopped the evictions? When rent comes due in three months, all of that money is going to be due at the same time. And mm-hmm. these folks that haven't been able to work, they're not going to be able to cough up ten thousand dollars. Yeah. I mean, I just I I see dark days ahead. Oh yeah, it's 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 people and because of what's been going on, there's been no government support in terms no. of like the the pandemic. Uh, right. And like twelve hundred dollars for one month is not going to do anything. It's like that, crazy. that runs out in a week. Like, exactly. For, for people, especially you know people, some people, well, a lot of people have families. They they they're not just paying for themselves. So. That's right. Um, 
yeah, I think the unrest is going to get, if it's not for uh, Black lives, it's going to be for, you know, a lot of the people that are kind of facing uh, a lot of poverty issues, a lot of people that don't have the money to afford the, the necessities that they need, which unfortunately right now is a lot of people of color and, and, and it black is. people. Yeah. These, these issues are sort of intertwined. Yeah. And I also think uh, this is what this is what the establishment fears the most mm-hmm. is this sort of solidarity. Mm-hmm. Because if they can keep every all of these groups divided against each other, they can maintain their power structures, mm-hmm. right? But the minute that all of these disenfranchised groups get, get together and say, wait a minute, those guys are the problem, yeah. it's over, right? Yeah. So I think that's also partly why uh, the police came out in such force on Saturday, because it wasn't just in Los Angeles. You're seeing this happen across the country in just about yeah. every city. I think, yeah, it's every, so far it's every 50 states. It's not even it's not even just in the U.S. anymore. It's international. Right. Like I've, I've had people contact me from all over the world saying that they had protests. I think one had like thousands of thousands. I think one in like uh, had like 50,000 people or something and it was in an entirely different country I could I could go through the messages and shit yeah, later but that's amazing. it means that um, everyone everywhere is getting tired of, of, of not only you know being oppressed in some way but the, the fact that people of different skin colors are just always being treated unequally no yeah. matter where you're at exactly no matter where racism mm-hmm. is everywhere and it's just it's astonishing that it took this long really but yeah. I think the cell phone footage has been the great mm-hmm eye-opener for a lot of folks that weren't entirely clear what was going on mm-hmm. because even you even have you know the baby boomers seeing this stuff going oh that's not right you know so mm-hmm. thank god for cell phone footage uh but yeah yeah i mean there's no way you can look at this stuff and say this is not murder this is murder oh it's yeah just it's, because the guy has a badge doesn't mean he's not committing murder no exactly it's, it's, this it's, is murder yeah just because yeah like you said badge and so many of these police yeah. officers have gotten away with it over the past few years like clear-cut examples of murder where mm-hmm. they were not either Jackie Lacey here, for example, didn't take, um, and I can't think of the cop's name, to court, even though Ch- even Charlie Beck was saying the guy committed murder and he should be prosecuted, and she chose not to prosecute. So I think there needs to be a change of guard across the board. I think more prosecutors need to be willing to step out of the comfort zone. So uh, I think part of the problem is that the district attorney's office and the police department, co- they cohabitate each other's realms much too closely it's too comfortable mm. and so for that reason a lot of the da's are afraid to go after the police officers even when they've done wrong and mm. i think we need to fix that there needs to be a separation mm. because obviously you can't trust a police force that is doing harm to the citizens and yeah. they've lost all trust nobody trusts them i mean mm. you even have like elderly white women that are afraid of the LAPD. Mm. Yeah, yeah, grandma's afraid of the i mean that's where we're at they're they're at this point they're giving everyone like, the, which, if everyone were to go to, like, the therapist or the hospital, like, medically diagnosed PTSD, like, how are you supposed to trust the people that are literally shooting at people that are doing nothing? Yeah. Like, I know whenever I'm going to be confronted with a police officer again, especially when I live in the L.A. area, I'm going to have a, some slight fear, like, because mm-hmm. they, you know, literally tried to kill me, like, for doing absolutely nothing wrong. Like, there's... There's evidence in your video. There's yeah. evidence in my own videos of me kneeling. There's evidence of me talking to well, the I police mean, officer. Your head. Yeah, it's starting to heal, heal a little <laughs> bit. But I mean, this is. I mean, this was deadly. A brain bleed is very serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was. It was getting worse over um, a couple of CAT scans until they had put the uh, the stuff there. They gave me some stuff that thickened my blood again. That got rid of all the blood thinning agents. 
And until they did that, the bleeding was getting worse and worse and worse, which was, I thought, I, I, at one point I thought, I was like, well, this is, this was it. Like, yeah, this is how it ends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we chuckle now, but that's how it felt on Saturday. Yeah, I got to use my humor to You got to hang on right to get through it. I know. I mean, well, you know, as silly as this is, when I first whipped in that giant canister of gas that landed in front of me, I couldn't breathe at all. Mm. I, when I collapsed around, I thought, this is it. This is how it ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's I know that sounds ridiculous. No, it's frightening. Yeah, when you can't breathe, like, it, you, you don't know really what like to do. Not how I imagine Saturday going, um, but here we are. Mm. Uh, so, hey, Nelson, you want to come join us? To some degree, the fun part's going out and, and running around and yelling and getting attention. But um, there's a lot of boring hard work involved in actually creating change. 100%. Isn't that the truth? Yes, so, yeah. Spoken like a, a person of my age that's been doing this a long ass time and seeing no change. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's a conversation I've had with Liz about, you know, what do you do afterwards? And I, right. Like you said, I hear him say, you know, protests can go on two weeks, three weeks, but. Months from now. But the reality is, is that um, the protests keep happening because changes aren't happening. Mm. And so the real key is, is that we have to talk to the people who have, who have control over these situations. We have to talk about. And it's funny because it, it starts to kind of percolate up through the surface. Like um, there's an organization that's talking about eight can't wait, um, eight reforms right. that all police departments can make uh, to, to reduce the amount of, uh, of incidents they have by 72%. And, you know, it's just hard data crunching that they do. And it's a, it's, it's a lot of boring pulling the policies and procedure manuals for, for police departments throughout the country, seeing how those, how their, how their decisions impact the right. statistics of, of what what goes on and uh so so you know it's as you bring that up i think think of the fact that half of the la city budget goes to the lapd that's yeah three billion dollars that's an insane amount of money and and it's because you know a lot of a lot of what we do in this country is about law and order we are we are a country of rules we are a country of laws and we need them to be observed. And the reality is just that uh, to a large extent, um, the way our society operates, we, we don't trust each other and we, we can't engage with each other safely to, to a large extent. And we need to have conversations about why that's the case, right. why, why neighborhoods are disenfranchised, why they're left out of economic gain and growth, right. what that uh, is tied into with, with uh, racism and historic racism that we've had for, for hundreds of years. That's right. I mean, we, we can have a conversation about where capitalism undergirds the systemic racism. I mean, because the racism sustained because they're making money off of it, right? Well, I work I mean, in, in real estate, and uh, a large part of the real estate test we have today revolves around um, how fair housing operates in this country and the rules that we've set up. And it's because 100 years ago, the rules were set up to ensure that uh, people of african-american descent couldn't buy in neighborhoods right it was literally the game was rigged against them banks weren't going to lend to them people weren't going to allow them to move into those neighborhoods realtors would keep them would, wouldn't right. even allow them to Red stay home. mortgages yeah that yeah, was a I mean, thing this is and this was codified into our laws yeah and so it's it's tough for especially anybody that's less than about you know 50 60 years old to even know that these things existed that that kids weren't allowed to go to the same schools, you weren't allowed to live in the same neighborhoods. You, you know, and this wasn't just the South. We always talk about Jim Crow. And we talk yeah, about- we, it was here in LA. We had, 
and in fact, I think up into the 50s, 50s, did we have redlining mortgages here? Yes, yeah. yes, and uh, miscegenation laws. People weren't allowed right. to date of different races. And so, you know, I have, I, a, I have a friend who uh, is <laughs> half Filipino, half white, and his parents um, started dating before it was legal in this country. It was illegal for them. To, they couldn't get married. So how scary, Nelson, was it for you on Saturday to get that phone call? I um, uh, was 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 beyond shocked because he's like, I've been shot in the head, and I'm like, well, this is not the conversation I expect to have with somebody that's been shot in the head. I would expect somebody else to be making the phone call, and then it kind of clicked into my head that he'd been shot with with uh, something that, that yeah. obviously damaged him, but uh, the, uh, something non yes, the, the, the standard non lethal. And so I, at first, and why was it still lethal? Like it, I was initially thinking that maybe it had been, been hit in the head with a jet gas canister or something along those lines. Um, from the impact, it turns out it was something very different. But uh, I knew uh, the general vicinity where he was going. I asked him, you know, what hospital he went to. He was unsure at the time, but uh, just because I knew where he was and I worked down there, I, I figured it was Cedars. Yeah. So that's where I headed. Cedars is the closest I think to the yeah. So yeah, I headed down there immediately. Um, I consider myself somebody who doesn't get emotional and, and react strongly. So I figured, yeah, okay, we got this. Um, my biggest concern going down there was um, what level of command and control that law enforcement would have of the area. And I was actually worried that I'd have to go through a checkpoint or something to get in there. Um, so I did make a couple of phone calls. I had names of people that I could pass along if I needed to go through. Okay. And uh, but once I got down there. Nothing. There was no command and control. <laughs> it was utter chaos. Which is actually, yeah, which is actually surprising when you think about it. I I was surprised because um, I know that you know, and from from now hearing the stories and everything, that the objective of LAPD was to create command and control so that it wouldn't get out of hand. And it seems like the tactics that they've been taught to use and that they've been instructed um, are the most effective to control a crowd. Have the opposite effect. Yeah, and so it's, absolutely did. it's it's a strange thing to think, you know, as I was driving past rioters and looking at um, burned out police cars, um, that their objectives actually weren't met by the tactics that they've been told would work. All the equipment they have, they, you know, all the money that we spend, it didn't work. And so then you have to ask you just yourself. Made angry, yeah. yeah, and so you have to ask yourself, what was it worth for, for CJ to, to now walk around and have to use a cane and have balance issues, what, and you know, the number of people that were injured had to inhale tear gas, had to had to suffer. Mm -hmm. What was all that suffering worth if they weren't able to prevent what they were, what the objectives, their stated objective was? It's, right. it's very disappointing to me that anybody can do a job, and, and it's a job being, being a police officer and, and, and to run a police department and to engage in your duty to serve and protect, and to think that um, that this outcome was successful in any way, shape, or form. They lost an right. unbelievable amount of equipment that us as taxpayers are going to have to pay for. Yeah, and the lawsuits um, from the damage property clear, damage and... The damage to, to humans who yeah. were innocently standing by, the damage to property that was private property, the losses that these stores have. Uh, you know, it's... I, I don't see where it was effective, and I think that... LAPD themselves needs to evaluate what what they've learned yeah. from this, which is, is do these tactics make sense? 
Is there, is there a smarter way to engage in, 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 a, in a group that's protesting? Is there a smarter way to, to address these issues? Because the Black Lives Matter organization, as, as we're well aware, has, has, is pretty well organized. Yeah, they're and, very, and has, they are has leadership. They are more well organized at this point, I'd say, than the LAPD is. And that's what I would say is that, <laughs> so if you have a group that you're orga that, 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 that's, that's organizing this protest, I think that it behooves us, or it, it would behoove law enforcement to work cooperatively with them. I understand that the issue is at hand, they're protesting something that may encounter resistance within the police force itself. Yeah. But uh, when it comes down to it, the leadership has to be the leadership. And at some point they have to say, we need to be able to engage. I think it needs to come from outside the department. The problem I think too is that there's been articles about how some of the white supremacists have infiltrated the law enforcement across the country. It's not just LAPD. That was a tactic that they engaged in, you know, started engaging in 20 years ago. And obviously some of those folks, but here's my thing, those folks, they must be known in the department, right? Their fellow officers must know. I've, I've read a few civil rights books. I'm, I'm aware that there's a long history of that. Um, I would be extremely disappointed to know that people who don't believe in white supremacy, people who believe in racial justice working on the force would allow somebody openly to operate as a white supremacist. It, it, it's, if that is what's going on, then that's a cancer that, that, that really needs to be eradicated from the force. And if, if it exists and is protected by their power structure, their unions, by, their unions are problem, by sure. how um, uh, law enforcement is typically a multi-generational endeavor for, for families, if those are the things that are, are placing people in these positions above and beyond what should be the normal merit of, mm -hmm. of, of, uh, of the work you do, that would be something that, that departments would have to evaluate uh, on a case-by-case -case basis. And I would be very hopeful um, that the police departments that, that, you know, that, I, that I live under would, 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 would be cognizant of that. We would hope so. I mean, I'll give you an example. Uh, one of the uh, police department LAPD union attorneys was actually on Twitter Saturday evening into Sunday Pro, uh, saying behind protesters posts and also media posts, we should just shoot them all, like multiple times. She had a whole, she ended up protecting her going silent, protecting her accounts so people couldn't read it on the outside. But I took screenshots of this because I was so appalled. I was like, wow, this is the union attorney literally saying they should shoot them all, like verbatim saying this multiple times. So there's clearly, there's clearly an attitude inside the department where it's a cancer. I don't know what to call this. And, and this is, but this is why we're, we're, this is why we are where we are at. Because we look at all the, the innocent folks that have been murdered by these police officers over the years. And nothing has changed to stop it. The reason we're here is because if they had chosen to deal with those officers and say, you know, we need to get rid of these racist murderers. If they had done that instead, instead of doing what they're doing now, we would have a much different outcome. So I'm, I'm a firm believer that, um, uh, calling for for the death penalty for um, property crimes is is something that, that, that no one should ever do. That's, yeah, no that's, kidding. That's, There's that's that. Beyond the pale. That is beyond the pale. That is beyond the pale. 
So uh, when you got to the hospital, there was no police presence there. Have they contacted you and sort of tried to intimidate you in any way? I'm curious about that. Uh, no, they, no one had really got involved. Even even after uh, they had put me on the news while I was still in the hospital, too, they, no one had tried to contact me. Uh, there was, at least when I got there, there were, I don't think there was a police force really there. There might have been a few, but it was mainly there was uh, a lot of uh, hospital security out in the front just to kind of help people in. Because when, when I had already got there, there was a, uh, I think, I think I might have seen that other no, girl that had her broken. No, not that one that you filmed, but that yeah, one. Yeah, there were two. Yeah. yeah, I think I had seen her in there. Um, yeah, no, there wasn't a, a large presence there at all. I think that would have probably kept people from wanting to go get help. Yeah. 100%. And so when you got when I got there, it was very, very quiet. I, 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 the Cedars Complex is fairly large. Yeah, it's, it's like a and, little uh, city almost. Because of uh, what's going on with COVID now, there are basically only two entrances to oh, that place. Right. The emergency room and then, the, and then the North Tower entrance. So when we got to the emergency room, there were about eight security guards for Cedars there. Uh, and um, I, I asked, I said, I'm, I'm looking for a young man that, that, that was brought here. He, he was shot in the head. And one of the, one of the security guards started just going very animated. I, I, I know him. I, I brought him in. I took care of him. He was a Marine like me. You know, he's good to go. He got shot in the face. You know, he was like, he got shot in the face, but he's okay. And um, so he was very excited <laughs> and, and very much wanted to help. And and so that was the first moment where, um, of course, uh, you know, my biggest concern was, you know, he's, he's damaged his face and uh, that's horrible. Um, but uh, then immediately afterwards, they said, somebody's going to come out and talk to you. They'll update you on the status. And we ended up sitting on the stairs outside the emergency room entrance for probably 90 minutes, two hours. <laughs> and uh, just, just waiting. And yeah. I, I didn't feel like I wanted to bug them because even though it was very quiet on the street, I assumed they had a. I just assumed they had a large number of casualties they were dealing with at that point. I, I you know, I hadn't, I hadn't been watching the news. I had actually been in a protest in my, in my own neighborhood. Oh, <laughs> earlier in the day. Yeah, I, I had just left in with one going to pick up my younger daughters, okay. and uh, and so when I, when I found out that, that, that he was injured, so I hadn't been following the news. I wasn't really aware of, of the situation. And so when I got down there, it was eerily quiet by the time I got to Cedars. It was very creepy, I bet. And so, yeah, so I wasn't really sure what, what they were dealing with inside, but I knew because of COVID, you know. So we just sat there quietly. And uh, at one point, a gentleman came and he said, um, he's in the ICU, he's stable, we got him under control, and uh, we're going to let you see him. And so at that point, I followed this gentleman through a number of buildings, mm -hmm. stairs, uh, and they gave us a pass and let us up. And uh, when they brought us to the waiting area um, on the ICU floor, they said, sorry about the mess, because yeah, it was kind of in disarray, but, but, but clean. And uh, they said, we've been using this as kind of a break room because we haven't had uh, a visitor up here since March. And so they said, oh, and so they said you know, just wait here. And uh, once he's passed uh, his COVID uh, swamp, and we know that he doesn't have COVID, we'll let you in to see him. Yeah, because that, that's the other side of this. I'm actually a little bit concerned that because of the chaos that they created Saturday, people were taking off their face masks mm -hmm. yeah. and the tear gas on top of it. I, I'm afraid that this might increase cases of COVID as, as an unforeseen consequence. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it, I think it's ridiculous to tear gas people in the middle of a pandemic yeah. that affects
pressure right. and your your respiratory system. But yeah, I think maybe they're waiting so long because they're stapling my head back together and stuff. And they also gave me that that COVID thing where they shove it all the way in your nose, like right after they stapled my head. And I I was like, why are you doing this right now? Like I was like, you couldn't wait, like. They're multitasking. Yeah, doing everything at once. So what are your parting thoughts? Anything you want to share with us that we didn't discuss? Just even if you believe everything's going to be as calm as possible, like it's super important to bring protection for yourself at this point because it's been shown time and time again that um, police are escalating a lot and, and, and protesters have nothing to protect themselves uh, as yeah. well as... Uh, helmets. Uh, yeah, hel- yeah, yeah, helmets, helmets, masks. Helmets are the most important thing. Um, it's something they need to protect your neck as well. But uh, I would just, I, wa- I would want everyone to know that like the, the reason I'm, I'm speaking out so much isn't to bring attention to myself. It's because I want more people to focus on like the Black Lives Matter movement and the fact that people are being murdered. Like I hope that all this passes uh, over me when, uh, when oh, like one day and, and I can shift, like I said, anything that's been uh, focused on me and like the story that happened to me and police brutality. I can focus on, you know, maybe getting rubber bullets banned and stuff like that. Right. And and uh, what's the, the attention that's been given to me can be shifted to black leaders so they can talk even louder, they can speak even louder, they know that they have more support, they know that, uh, and like I said, well, I'll go on to, uh, I'll, be, I'll be in LA, um, you know, attending uh, council meetings and stuff like that where I can to hopefully get my voice heard about getting these certain projectiles banned because you know, I don't want them to hit anyone else. I don't want, yeah. I want people to feel as safe as they can while they're trying to, you know, protest as they have the right to. So that's, I, I think that's, that's, that's what I am going to eventually lead on to. Yeah. I'm with you on that. I think they need to stop using tear gas and rubber bullets. This is, this is these, these items they're saying they're non-lethal, but clearly they're lethal. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think there was a, a, a story, uh, a young, woman, a young woman died she had asthma, yeah. yeah, which is... And she's not the first. Um, if you look at the history of Triple Chaser, there's been hundreds of deaths linked to this particular tear gas. It's very lethal. You know, and of course, we could digress into the conversation as to why it is that the LAPD mm-hmm. has their hands on this merchandise to begin with, the military-industrial complex, but we're getting back to money again, right? It's, yeah. it, it, for my opinion, money and politics is the root of all evil. Like, all of these stems, these, these things stem something making money off of it somewhere it's unfortunate so i'm very hopeful that um that the one thing that can always supersede money is 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 public interest and involvement Mm -hmm. and uh so when people um do believe something um, a lot of times these these stories happen and they fall by the wayside um you know uh, colin kaepernick lost his job five years ago talking about this same thing yeah. Um, we were talking about um, police brutality in 1992 when Rodney King was 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 uh, when the Rodney King trial happened. That's right. And so, um, you know, and John Lewis was was beaten on a bridge in in, uh, in Alabama nearly 50 years ago. Yeah, well, it's been a long time, and here we are, right? And so, when these things keep repeating themselves, it is really incumbent upon us as citizens of this country to finally decide that, that we're done with it and have our our conversations with our elected officials. And I'm really hopeful that people will reach out to their mayors, to their city council members, to their, their, their local legislatures, um, state legislatures, and, and have conversations about we need to change, A, how we deal with our citizens during protests, right. and we need to change how we treat our fellow citizens. And, uh, and I, 
things. It's very important to have those conversations. So I hope people will.